The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Kevin Hallinan believes that certainly applies to business. Welcome to Winning Business Radio here at W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. And now, your host, Kevin Hallinan. Welcome back to Winning Business Radio. I am your host, Kevin Hallinan. Thanks for coming back. The mission of Winning Business Radio, as regular listeners know, is to offer insights and advice to help people avoid the mistakes of others, to learn best practices, the how-tos, the what-tos, the what-not-tos, to be challenged and certainly to be inspired, hopefully, by the successes of others. You know, every successful person I've ever talked to has had failures of some kind or another in their lives and careers. So we all have to get our new skin once in a while, uh, and because of that, I'm driven to keep those scrapes from needing major surgery. Let's endeavor to learn from history so we don't repeat it. Today, my, my guest, excuse me, is Brad Bestian, a lot of bees that get stuck there, managing partner at Bestian Wealth Management, LLC, a family-owned and run boutique family planning and wealth advisory firm, which was founded by his father. Here's Brad's bio. Brad graduated from Syracuse, Syracuse University in 2002 with a double major in finance and marketing. Prior to college, he graduated, graduated with honors from Zaverian Brothers High School in Westwood, Massachusetts, and currently serves as the VP of its alumni board. Prior to working with his father, Brad held several jobs in the financial industry, all of which helped lead him to the decision to become a financial advisor. He's a certified financial planner professional and is an accredited investment fiduciary designee. Outside of work, Brad is a donor and volunteer for the Joe Andruzzi Foundation, a charitable organization dedicated to cancer research and helping patients and their families financially during a difficult time. This is in addition to supporting several local groups in his community of Easton, Massachusetts. Currently, Brad does reside in Easton with his wife, Jenny, and two children, Kyle, seven, and Brooke, five. Brad's an avid skier in the winter months and is looking forward to teaching his kids. Brad enjoys golf and many other outdoor activities, although his extracurricular activities are currently limited to chasing the kids around the house. He's a diehard Boston sports fan and is anxiously awaiting a return to greatness for his Syracuse football team. Brad, welcome to Winning Business Radio. Hey, thanks for having me, Kevin. It's a pleasure. Oh, cool. So let's talk about Syracuse football for just a couple minutes. They're off to a, not a great start. They're 3-3. Three and three. They had a better year last year. Uh, and I noticed they opened against my youngest daughter's alma mater, Liberty. Uh, I didn't know they played Liberty. That's out of conference, right? Yeah, that's certainly. Syracuse is in the ACC. Yeah. And they they spanked Liberty. Alyssa won't ha- be happy to hear that, but they spanked. I'm sure she probably already knows. Liberty 24. Yes, or is the top uh, 25. And as the, a lot of those teams do, they uh, pile the schedule with some cupcake games to yeah. Uh, get the season off to a good start, but it's uh, they haven't done too well since. Maryland, oof. Yeah, Lots. that was a big game. That's uh, both uh, you know Maryland's turned out to be a pretty decent team, and Syracuse again was ranked at the time. They went into mm. Maryland, should have beat them, but uh, 
didn't play well at all and got killed. And then they played Clemson the next week, which uh, was was another tough, yeah. tough game for Syracuse, unfortunately. Well, Although they've played Clemson pretty well in the last couple of years. They beat Clemson uh, a couple of years ago and almost beat them last year, one play away from beating Clemson in Clemson last year. So we're Did on the right track. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you think they're moving in the right direction? Yeah, well, they had the, this new head coach, Dino Baber, has been there about two or three years, is doing a really good job. And they had a great quarterback, Tony Dungy, the last couple of years. Last year was his senior year. And he really was propelling the team uh, to to their great status last year. They finished the season in the ranks in the top 25, handily beat a, a West Virginia in a bowl game, which was great. But he graduated. They got this young five-star recruit um, playing quarterback, but he hasn't lived up to expectations yet. Defense is great, but the offense is uh, is not doing well. So hopefully they can they get a bunch of ACC games in a row here coming up. So hopefully they can uh, finish the season with at least the uh, six wins you need to get in a bowl game with every other team. You're ready to do color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're exactly. out of that stuff. No notes. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about your background a bit. I know you know the format of the show, um, so I like listeners to hear backgrounds of the guests. I know you grew up locally in Stoughton, Mass., uh, which for those not familiar with the Boston area, it's a suburb. It's about a little less than 20 miles south of Boston. So how was it growing up in Stoughton? Yeah, it was it was nice. It's uh, I mean, it's a nice, nice town, probably like a middle class town, as you said, like southeast of Boston. And I mean, I have one younger sister. She's two years younger than me and just, you know, grew up in a neighborhood, bunch of kids and having fun, went to, you know, all the Stoughton public schools until high school, as you mentioned in the bio, um, went off to Severian. But uh, because the Stoughton public schools at that time were not uh, not too great. Uh, Mm. So that was kind of the uh, decision my parents had made that. I would go on to, to private high school, but Stoughton was, it was fun. It was, I think probably like any other town. Yeah. Playing sports, having fun. It's, it's, uh, it was good. So why, why is the Varian brothers good school, by the way? Um, and it was a commute every morning, right? Yeah. That's uh, they had a, they had a bus stop that was probably about a mile from my house, um, that, uh, used to, used to walk to it. There was oh. probably Four or five other guys that uh, that were from Stoughton that went to Severian same year as me, so it was kind of nice. We had a little bit of a little bit of a crew that went on over to Severian and carpooling and and had had those advantages was great. But I, to be honest, I can't really recall an exact decision. I looked at the BC High, the Catholic Memorials, you know, this handful mm-hmm. of those, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and for those that don't know, Severian's an all boys. Catholic private high school. They've since added seventh and eighth grade, but at the time it was just uh, high school. And so we looked around at all, and it just seemed hands down that at the time that was the best one in terms of the education and the curriculum and and all the things that they had going on over there. Uh, I just didn't, liked it a lot more than than the other two or three that we looked at. So, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit easier for a commute uh, to westwood than going into like boston to bc high yeah, or yeah. You know, some of those schools so it worked out well uh, all the way around did you play sports at the very yeah i did um i did play some sports uh, probably the i played football uh, for a couple of years um i played a little baseball i uh, and i was on the ski team there it was probably oh. my my biggest sport it's not uh, probably your typical 
the top four sports that people think of. But uh, I had a lot of knee problems in high school and I did yeah. in college as well. So it kind of prevented me. I uh, blew my knee out in playing basketball, both in high school and in college. Um, oh, man. But it's uh, so it kind of took me off of some of those other sports and yeah. uh, was still able to ski, though. So. Oh, that's good. And Zavarian's known for sending a handful of kids to the NFL, most notably. Go ahead. Yeah, most notably would be the uh, Hasselbecks, yep. uh, that yep. family. Um, actually, it was Matt Hasselbeck, who's probably had the most success, obviously mm -hmm. took the Seahawks to a Super Bowl, mm -hmm. um, where the where the refs stole it away from him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he recall playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, but you're not bitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, Tim Hasselbeck was there. He graduated, I think, two years ahead of me. Mm -hmm. um, and then they have a third younger brother um, that was below me that I didn't know that well. But yeah, uh, yeah they're probably the most famous. But there's always some kids. Severian, if, if you're from the area, no, Severian's always in the top five in the state um, in football. And they always send a few kids to Division One programs. Usually yeah. like Boston College is a big, mm -hmm. uh, big recruiter at mm -hmm. Severian. So let's talk about Syracuse. Why did you two choose a double major, finance and marketing? Was that intended? Did that just... Did, well, tell me the story. Well, I, I mean, back to uh, choosing Syracuse, it was really, um, it was actually my mom's idea. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I had looked at a bunch of schools along the East Coast. Uh, originally was thinking I'm going to go out to like University of Colorado and ski and go and my oh, yeah. parents shut, shut that idea down quickly. <laughs> you're going to stay somewhat local. So I looked at all the, uh, I knew I wanted to be in business. Um, and so I looked at, you know, the Babson, Bentley, Boston College, Fairfield, Villanova, right. Northeastern, all the schools around here, lucky enough to be in the Northeast. There's a plethora of colleges mm. that are, mm. around here. So um, and then Syracuse was probably the longest drive, about a five-hour drive away, and it was sort of towards the end of the process of looking for schools. And my mom like, read an article about it and said, why don't we go up there and look at it? And I just fell in love with it, hands down, like walking around the campus and, uh, and all of those things. And it was nice, you know, playing sports in high school, but I knew it wasn't going to be good enough to really play in college. Right. And I did ski in college, but... Um, you know, I wanted to go to a little bit of a bigger school that had sports programs that I could follow and, and be a part of. And uh, as uh, we started this conversation, still a big fan of the, the Syracuse program. Mm, so sure, it's uh, that's why I chose the school. And in terms of the major, um, I knew I wanted to be in business, applied directly to the business school there mm -hmm. uh, and got into that. And I started off with just a major in finance. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that the courses that I chose in meeting with my guidance counselor like sophomore year they just said hey you know you could you know if you take a couple more of these classes in marketing you'll you could you have enough credits you should just declare it as a double major because you're going to be taking some courses anyway and so yeah. if you just add one or two more on you you know you can get the double major and so i just thought it made sense to uh to do that at the time so. and yeah that's cool you had the opportunity to study abroad as well right in london yeah, I did. It was uh, another another one of these things that I never really never mm. really thought about. And I had a friend of mine that was in the business school with me, and he said, "Hey, I'm I'm signing up to study abroad, and there's a few other guys doing it, a few other girls doing it that I know. You know, is something you're interested in?" And I said, "That's it sounds pretty interesting." And I mentioned it to my parents, and they said, "Yeah, it's, you should definitely do that." I mean, this was before 
uh, 9/11, so there wasn't as right. much risk of uh, traveling uh, traveling abroad as as there is well, there was shortly after that, and so. Um, it worked out well, and it choose, chose the London program. Syracuse has a school over in London, uh, and mm. so we were mixed with kids from colleges all over the the country that came to the Syracuse program, and so it was a great experience. Um, lived there for the fall semester of my junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it went up before Labor Day and the end of the summer, and stayed, uh, you know, through Christmas, which was great. Yeah, and you know, the school was great. Uh, a lot of classes, and and they didn't purposely they didn't have classes on Fridays, which was nice because you got to travel. I mean, every weekend we it was like going from Boston to JFK. You know, wow. we were going to Spain, to Amsterdam. It was went to Italy for a week. You know, went to Ireland, wow. uh, went to a bunch of different places, and it was all traveling. You know, I kept a one of my classes was an architecture class in London, and they forced you to keep a journal of everything you were doing. Was one of the assignments, which was great. It's uh, I was actually over my parents' house early last week, cleaning out, helping them clean out their basement, mm-hmm. and found a lot of my stuff from London and the journal that I kept and wow. all the pictures. And so it was a cool experience. I got to got to do all of those things while still getting credits uh, yeah. towards my major, as opposed to you know graduating and then taking a couple years to travel abroad. Um, I got to do it while I was still in school, which was great and made a lot of friends that I'm still uh, still in touch with today. Did that change your perspective of living in the u.s at all um a little bit it's it was def it was very funny because i'm um i tend to be i think consider myself a social person and Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff Mm -hmm. they tell you when you're over there is when you're going over there is you know blend in um (laughs) you know it's a different culture over there don't stand out as as an american and you know here I am, like coming off the plane in like bright orange Syracuse, uh, like Abercrombie pants with you know a hooded sweatshirt and uh, a typical uh, college kid, like not yeah. trying to blend in whatsoever. Um, and so it was, it was interesting. It just um, it it adds a lot. The experiences, some of these places that we went and traveled, and the tours we did. We were with people that were in their 40s, 50s, and just learning the experiences of folks that had traveled the world. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, outside of Syracuse, I had never really been outside of uh, Massachusetts other mm-hmm. than like some vacations you take with your family. Never been to really any other part of the country for an extended period of time or, or anywhere. And it was just uh, it was a really good experience that just opens your eyes to everything else that's out there and in the world and how other people view things. And mm. uh, there certainly wasn't as much, uh, you know, political uh, issues going on right. as there is right. today and the divides in the country. And so it was very friendly. Everywhere we went um, was was very a friendly place and we never really had any issues. And it was just great absorbing the uh, absorbing the different cultures. And it sounds like you'd advise any who have the opportunity, any young people who have the opportunity that are in college and or their parents to suggest you, they do the same. Yeah, it's uh, I would I would highly recommend it. And they a lot of schools have these programs. I mean, I know kids that go to New Zealand and Australia and mm. you know all these. You know, I had friends that went to Italy and lived like with a host family um, and really got immersed in the culture and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, came back. It's sort of changing their major uh, with what wow. they wanted to do and helping wow. them make a decision. And, you know, when you're 17, 18, it's hard to decide what you want to do. And you m- probably haven't had a lot of these travel experiences, especially mm-hmm. independently um, with groups of your friends and not just with family. Uh, so 
it, I would definitely encourage people to do anything like that that broadens your horizons, gives you a different perspective, um, and that's I think it's extremely important. Looking back on it now, would uh, you know? I, I think it's an extremely important thing to do. Uh, and I should, I, I would be very uh, remiss if I didn't mention that um, that is where I met my, my Jenny, my wife. Oh, so wow. I, uh, you know, so when she's listening to this, I figure I should mention that that's where, uh, <laughs> that's where we met. She yeah, went to Syracuse University as well. Yeah. And she just went, I didn't know her at all. She just went there with a group of friends and we just, you know, we happened to meet and, uh, and. The rest is history, you know? Outstanding. Hey, we'll come back and talk about that for a couple minutes, but right now we're going to take our first break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. Have you ever dreamt of being on the radio? Well, now is your chance. Be a radio show guest on the number one ranked internet radio station and promote you and your business for free. Yes, you heard it, free. Business advertising right here on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 now to get booked on one of our shows. That's 561-506-4031. Get your free advertising now. You can tell what's wrong with a car just by sitting next to it at a red light. You can tear down a big block engine in 26 minutes. You know cars. We can help you find more of them to work on. And together, we can get your small business moving in the right direction. At AT&T Advertising Solutions, we have more ways to reach more people. With print, online, mobile, and direct marketing, AT&T Advertising Solutions has local advertising experts to help your small business find more customers. Call 1-800-GET-REAL to learn more. AT&T. Rethink Possible. Hi, this is Ian Hill, and you're listening to W4CY Radio. Be seen, be heard on the Internet's number one ranked radio station right here in West Palm Beach. What a way for your business to have a voice. Now is the time to advertise your business on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 for a deal you won't refuse. Again, that's 561-506-4031. Don't wait. Call now. And now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind. To help you succeed in business, here once again is Kevin Hallinan. We're back with Brad Bestian, Managing Partner at Bestian Wealth Management. And Brad, you were just talking about having met your wife, Jenny. So tell us that story. Um, let, let the audience know. Give us a good story there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's I don't know what uh, what this show is rated, but um, <laughs> no, we definitely we, uh, yeah, we ended up. So when yeah. you go to study abroad, you have a choice of going into just the school housing mm-hmm. or they give you a stipend and a list of like realtors that they work with mm. that you can rent a flat for oh, the semester. 
And everybody that I had known that went before me says, you got to rent a flat. It's, it's much better. You just basically mm-hmm. like living in a city, you get an apartment in the city and yeah. they have designated ones and you get there and you have like two days to find an apartment. So you, you know, you find a group of guys that you want to live with and then you hustle around. And it just so happened that, um, we, her and her friends rented the flat uh, two floors down in the same building as the one that mm-hmm. I rented with my buddies. Mm-hmm. And then we had another group of people that rented in the floor above us. And so anytime we were doing, when we were traveling or we were going out to dinner or whatever we were doing, we had a group of people of like 15 people that yeah. we were all, all together. And that's how we met. We weren't we weren't like dating at that time, but that's how we originally met and became very friendly and then, you know, stayed close when we got yeah. back to back to uh, campus in the spring semester. And so it uh, it was great. But that's how we originally met. And we had a lot of fun. It's I mean, these experiences that, uh, you know, a lot of married couples would never have heard. I mean, we just mm-hmm. we were meeting and we were traveling together. We were in Italy for a week. And I mean, it we were with a group of 10 other people as well, but just some yeah. of the things that we got to experience early on in our relationship were, were phenomenal. Uh, and so we, we had a lot of fun together and, um, and then as she's from New Jersey. And mm-hmm. so after she was in the school of education, um, to become a teacher and mm-hmm. she graduated from Syracuse and went to Boston college to get her, uh, masters. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. she came to the Boston area, rented an apartment and, I wasn't sure if she was going to move back to Jersey or not when she finished her school, but one of her professors was a dean of a local charter school here in the Boston area, mm-hmm. and uh, she got a job there and has wow. been there 15 years ever since. So um, it worked out well. She stuck around the area and obviously worked out great. Uh, worked out great for all of us. That's great. We have a similar story absent the travel. Um, you know, we would, my wife and I, we, we, were, we were friends and we hung out with about 15, 20 other people in that similar kind of vein. We were friends first and then started seeing each other. But yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's really cool when it works yeah. out that way. So let me ask this. We're going to get more into business, um, but I want to just ask you this one question because it's a kind of career path question. Was it always your plan to join your father in business and eventually take over or did that sort of happen as well? It's a good, that's a good question. Um, and I would say, no, that wasn't always mm-hmm. the plan. Um, I think that's where originally I got my business background and, mm-hmm. and I did uh, intern uh, at my dad's office this summer and, mm-hmm. you know, just knew from, you know, growing up with him, obviously, to what he was involved in and what he was doing. And, but I didn't know that I wanted to become a financial advisor. Um, right. It's a very different career path than, you know, like getting your MBA and working your way up the corporate ladder at, at a company. It, it's a lot of different uh, skill sets and sure. things that you want to be concentrating on. And so, um, and my dad was sort of a sole proprietor um, mm-hmm. for a big portion of his career. And so, didn't exactly have all the resources necessary to, to train me. And a lot of people ask, why don't you just go work with your dad right out of college? And, yeah. um, that was one of the reasons. Plus, I wanted to get experience elsewhere um, working in different environments. So I had a few different jobs that, and before I decided to become an advisor. And then I was an advisor. You mentioned at, at Bank of America where I worked mm-hmm. for a few years before. I Once I realized that I could do it, and I wanted to do it and I could build a book of business. The mm-hmm. goal was to eventually transition out and partner up with my father. Yeah. But it definitely wasn't like coming out of college saying I'm definitely going to be a financial planner. 
Well, if you hadn't worked for other, even if you had made the decision to become an advisor or planner, you would never have received that kind of experience working just for your dad. So the fact that you were at other companies, I'm sure, broadened your your awareness, your acumen, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. I think it's um, I think it is very helpful to do mm-hmm. that. And you know, you work with a, a lot of businesses as well, and as do we. And we even see a lot of family businesses. We all know the statistics: like a third of family businesses don't survive to the second generation, and then right. less than twelve percent survive to a third generation. And so, right. one of the things that we see a lot of these companies putting into place is is that the family member needs to have experience outside the family business before they can come into it. Uh, and so I think it was definitely, especially it was different job roles, wasn't financial planning my first couple of jobs uh, out of school. They were all in the business world, but it definitely broadens your horizons, allows you to see what else is out there and you know what you might or might not be interested in. So it's it just because it's a, a family business doesn't mean you wanna just walk into it and that that's gonna be your career. Right. And as you said, you want to have that skill set to ensure success. Yeah, exactly. It can only help uh, when you when you do other things. Uh, I know you believe in giving back. Um, and we'll talk about the Andrusi Foundation in a second. Why is that important to you, though, in general? Um, well, I just feel it's it speaks to you know, our value system, both Mm -hmm. my wife and I as a family. And, you Mm -hmm. know, as we tie that into sort of the corporate values of, you know, if you're lucky enough to, to be fortunate in life, uh, and we are from, from many different aspects that it's important to, to give back and help other people in terms of just, it helps build, it helps build your overall, you know, personality and your character. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a good thing to be able to, help other people in society that may be less fortunate or have come on hard times. And it's, it just means a lot to be able to do those things. Yeah. So why did you decide to get involved with the Joe Andrews foundation? Shout out the, uh, the, uh, alumni member of the world reigning world champion, New England Patriots, I might add. Yeah, exactly. You have to, don't rub yeah. that in too much. It's, uh, and what are they uh, six and zero oh now? I think it's, I think uh, I think they are six and zero. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's you know <laughs> off to another tough start. But uh, but yeah, the Andrewsy Foundation. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we wanted to do was not just you know not that these are bad causes, but donating right. to like the Jimmy Fund or something like that. They bring in billions of dollars every year, right. and this was more of a grassroots uh, campaign and and type of a charity. And their mission, not only do they focus on cancer research, but one of the biggest things they do is provide financial support to families that have had a cancer mm. diagnosis mm. to help them pay their utility bill, pay mm-hmm. their mortgage, you know, make their car payments. Mm-hmm. And so it tied into, obviously, what we do is helping families plan for unexpected events and, you know, manage their finances. Right. So their mission kind of tied into a lot of stuff that we're doing for our clients. And I thought it was nice that it was just, it doesn't matter what type of cancer you have, right. you know, how old you are, you know, they... They just look at they just looking to help as many people as they can. Um, mm. And a lot of people probably don't know Joe Andrews. One of the reasons that he uh, finished playing football was because he had his own cancer diagnosis right. uh, and he right. fought that battle. It's 
think it's been a 10 or 11 year anniversary that the Andrewsy Foundation mm-hmm. just celebrated um, after he was after he completed his cancer treatments and is successfully cancer free and he mm-hmm. wanted to give back to, uh, in a different way. So that's why they started the foundation. So. Yeah, and I've, I've heard him speak, and as you have way more times than me, but one of the things he said was because of his NFL salary, he was fine, right? He could weather that financial storm where many cannot. They're not working, they're not getting a paycheck, and he identified the need, right? Well, exactly, and that was, it's, it's, it's very interesting that he and identified that niche mm. in the marketplace, and it's sad, but just in being involved with the, with the charity to the level that we are, you hear a yeah. lot of these stories, and I've spoken to patients and their families, and mm. there's times where you think, you know, you're living in a bubble and say, okay, you need cancer treatments, you get cancer treatments, and people are sometimes making a decision on whether they can afford the cancer medication or if they should pay their yeah. mortgage. That's awful. And, yeah. you know, they have to stop taking treatments or have their house foreclosed on, and it's awful decisions that people wow. have to make. And uh, the Andrews Foundation has helped thousands of people with that, uh, donating money. It's giving money to families like great that. Segue. Yeah, great segue. How can listeners donate or help out if they'd like to? Yeah, it's, I mean, you just go to their website. I mean, if you just Google uh, Joe Andrusi Foundation or mm-hmm. JAF, um, they're based right here in, in southern Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you Google them, you will see their organization and their website. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a lot of different ways that uh, you can donate. Uh, they've actually just started a new, a new thing that they're doing is monthly donations so you can Mm -hmm. sign up and have like a monthly debit it can be 10 bucks 25 bucks um and for if you have any business owner clients out there listening they have a they have a new um group called the champion circle which is Mm. solely to recruit business owners and businesses as donees not just individuals and so they just had their annual appreciation night a couple weeks ago for the champion circle members of which we're a part and Drew Bledsoe, former uh, Patriots quarterback, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a was the keynote speaker, and it's it's one of the nice things. Not that you're donating because of those things, but it's right. nice right. with uh, with Joe's clout as a former Patriot. I've been at events where you know all, a lot of former Patriots, all stars. Even if you're not a Patriots fan, some guys mm-hmm. that are like Hall of Fame inductees that have been mm-hmm. at events and participated and. It's really, a, it's really a nice thing that they've done with that organization over the last decade. That's, that's fantastic. And thanks for your, for your time and money that you donate. Hey, we're going to take our second break right here. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about your career path, and we'll talk a bit more about the firm. But we'll take another break right here. You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. Hi, this is Lindsay Schoolcraft with Cradle of Filth, and you're listening to W4CY Radio. Is your pet overweight? 
suffer from itchy skin and coat problems, showing signs of food allergies, then do your pet a favor. Stop by Fiesta Pet Deli, South Florida's original and only fresh food deli for pets, prepared daily and FDA approved with products like Bravo, Nature's Variety, and BioComplete. Listen, dogs and cats are carnivores. 90% of their diet should be meat. That dry kibble you put in their bowl every day contains less than half of what their bodies require. Veterinarian owned and operated, Fiesta Pet Deli has one mission, to get your pet as healthy as possible. Give them a call today at 954-971-2500 or come check out their new store at the Festival Flea Marketplace at Sample Road in the Turnpike in Pompano, Florida. They also offer free local delivery, shipping throughout the United States. Check out their website at www.realfoodforpets.com or just Google Fiesta Pet Deli. If you truly love your pet and care about their health, stop by Fiesta Pet Deli. Call today at 954-971-2500. This is Felix Griffin, drummer for MOD Classic. You're listening to W42Y Radio. Thank you so much. Have you ever dreamed of having your own radio show? Well, W4CY Radio makes dreams come true. You can be a radio personality on the number one ranked internet radio station in West Palm Beach, Florida. We can be heard in 105 countries and all U.S. states. Promote your business. Earn up to $10,000 per month and more. It's all up to you. Have fun and be heard. Call 561-506-4031. That's 561-506-4031. Start your radio show now. Now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind, to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. We're back with Brad Bestian, managing partner of Bestian Wealth Management. A um, couple quick questions, a couple of fun ones. You're an avid skier. What's your favorite mountain? And I know it's east skiing. Maybe it's the west. I don't know. Where, where do you like to go? Yeah, well, uh, I'd say... Probably one of my favorite mountains. Uh, I have to, you know, sense I'm from the East Coast. I got to yeah. keep it on the East. Um, and Wildcat Mountain, up oh, yeah. in uh, like Jackson, New Hampshire, is mm-hmm. uh, is one of the best mountains around uh, for for my money. So I love it. They got a trail. The Rockies are laughing at us right now, but no, I'm with you. Well, exactly. I mean, I've been skiing out west a bunch of times, and yeah. I mean, the best ski days of my life have been out there, and yeah. a lot of great experiences out there, but. It, it doesn't compare, you know, whole, trying to ski in the east is, right. uh, you know, it's very hit or miss, um, whereas out west, you, you're pretty much guaranteed what you're going to get. And yeah. It's it's nice to be able to travel out there. All right. That's it. great. That's great. I'd just like to have fun with that question. And then now uh, on to your career path. So you started um, your first professional job. Looks like it was at MFS Investment Management and kind of an interesting role that I want you to explain for folks internal wholesaler so what what was that role yeah so i i worked my way up to that um, mm-hmm. which i won't go into too much detail yeah. you know but the in terms of an internal wholesaler so wholesalers or an external wholesaler let's say mfs which is a big mutual fund company in boston mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. actually known as one of the founding, the f- company that founded the first mutual fund ever um, wow. back in like the 1920s. And so mm-hmm. it's their job. If you're an external wholesaler, you have MF- MFS wants to sell their products all over the country. And so they have wholesalers that represent different territories all over the country trying to go out to advisors like me, 
saying, you know, hey, what are your clients doing in the in the bond space? We have mm-hmm. some good bond products. Would you take a look at these? And so an internal wholesale, which is what I was, was in the home office in Boston supporting the external wholesalers. So when oh, okay. advisors like me call in to MFS and want product information or whatever else we're looking for, the internal wholesalers would handle all of that mm-hmm. uh, and run presentations and put proposals together and mm-hmm. and all of those things in support of whatever you know an external person out in the field uh, would want for their job day to day. Cool. Okay. And what would you say were your key takeaways? That was about three years you were there. What what, what are some of the lessons learned? Um, you'll talk about that for a sec. I'd say one of the biggest lessons learned in that when it seems like a simple one, but it's um, but it's just being honest um, with the advisors that are calling in mm-hmm. and saying, you know, every all these companies have sales goals and quotas sure. and, you know, things that they want you to hit. And advisors know if you're trying to pitch them something that it doesn't, you know, is not a good performer or, is, you know, they know if you're being BS in them. And mm-hmm. so. One of the biggest lessons is just be straightforward, give them what they want, and you know, don't try and skate outside the lines and trying to do things that really are not uh, not needed in the situation. Excellent, excellent, good advice. And then Bank of America Investment Services, much bigger company, uh, much bigger organization. Um, same question, you know, what were some of the things you learned there? Maybe key takeaways. Yeah, so that's where I did got my first uh, foray into being an advisor. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I left MFS to join up uh, at Bank of America Investments, and I was never on the banking side. I just mm-hmm. went straight to the advisory side. It was actually as Bank of America was purchasing Fleet Bank. If uh, mm-hmm. if you're from the New England area, you remember Fleet Boston, mm-hmm. um, and so. It was definitely got good training there um, in terms of learning to be an advisor and getting all my securities licenses and all of those things. Um, but very similar is in treating treating the clients the way they want to be treated, um, and in not trying to you know knock down any organization. But a lot mm-hmm. of these places are very much you know back then at least keyed on revenue and you know what are you trying to do to what are you doing to make money this today and tomorrow and next week and you know it's really just trying to be focused on building their relationships and Mm. giving some value add and you know you may not make money at that today but it's going to come back um come back to you you know six months a year five years later when people remember those things um that you did or went out of your way to do yeah, it is pretty uh, pretty difficult to reset a bad reputation, right? Yeah, almost exactly. impossible. Exactly, it's hard. It's one of the hardest things we do do still to this day. Right, is building trust with people because it can be knocked down real quick. Mm-hmm. One wrong move. Absolutely. All right, you hold a couple of designations. I want you to describe those: the Certified Financial Planner (CFP) and the Accredited investment fiduciary. Can you describe those? Yeah, so the CFP is really the, um, 
the, the probably one of the biggest or most well-known designations in the industry. It's certainly mm -hmm. the uh, marquee designation. It stands for Certified Financial Planner, mm -hmm. and you don't need it. Um, you don't need it to be an advisor. Um, if, to be an advisor, really, all you need is securities licenses, where you take some exams mm -hmm. uh, for a state and on a federal level. Mm -hmm. um, but this is just a step up. You're held to a certain code of standard. There's code of ethics. The CFP has a board of directors with. Uh, rules of prudence and standards mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's really uh, it culminated in a two-day exam and there's wow. a bunch of different sections ranging from basic financial planning to income taxes estate planning retirement uh, life insurance there's all mm -hmm. different sections so you have to pass each one and then take a cumulative uh, exam at the end uh, mm -hmm. that incorporates all, all of them, case studies about various situations. And so it's really the marquee designation in the industry today that if you're looking to hire an advisor, I, you know, it would strongly suggest that you make sure they're a CFP or some similar designation. And as you said, that's voluntary. That's over and above the required licenses. Yeah, exactly. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it should be required uh, to be an advisor. It yeah, just, interesting. You know, yeah. it gives you a a level of knowledge over and above just the basics that you would need to pass a securities exam. And, mm -hmm. um, and as I said, it also has, you know, a code of ethics. You have to, you do a background check. There's all types of things you have to go through in order. It's not just passing the exam. You have to have a lot of other pre-qualifications to, uh, to get onto the level to take the test. And is there a renewal period on that? Yeah. you got to do continuing education every year. Mm -hmm. uh, on it. And it, it, and there's renewal periods that you have to keep up with, um, you know, the new, you know, new tax laws, new regulations, the new, right. everything that's coming out every year that affects right. us and our clients on a day-to-day -day basis. You got to keep up with that on an annual basis. You have to get a certain number of credits every year. Mm -hmm. uh, what about the AIF? AIF, excuse me. Yeah, well, that is starting to become a, we've had that designation, I don't know, probably six, seven years now, where mm -hmm. it's becoming a term that's uh, thrown around a lot is fiduciary uh, and the standards of between, you know, doing uh, something that's right in your client's best interest versus something that may just be suitable uh, for a client. And without getting into the lines, <laughs> the, the lines there that blur, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. we act as uh, a fiduciary in all of our client relationships, putting their interests first means you have no conflicts of interest. And that's the number one designation from a fiduciary standpoint um, in the industry today. And so you also have to do continuing education for that. And it's it, it, within the industry, it's well known as one of the, you know, adding a little extra value to your client relationships and mm -hmm. acting in a fiduciary capacity and everything uh, that you do. You know, there's a lot of talk about that in the news mm -hmm. um, before President Trump came into office that new fiduciary standards that were going to be uh, outlined across the industry that um, President Trump moved to the back burner that hasn't actually been initiated yet, but it's still out there. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of states now trying to come up with their own um, before the SEC comes up with some. And it's really protections for the client, for the individual or company for that matter, but the investor. The person exactly. whose money is being invested. Exactly, right. exactly. And it's making sure your advisor doesn't have any conflicts of interest. If they do, they make it aware to you um, and all, all of those things. Just putting your client's interest first before, um, which 
in my mind, there shouldn't right. really be a designation right. for that. It's just how you should run your business every single right. day. Um, but as all industries, there's always bad actors in every uh, in every walk of life, and mm-hmm. so uh, you need these things in writing. Um, unfortunately, right. All right. Let me ask you kind of a broader question about your career and business journey. Can you point to a mistake that you feel you've made? I don't mean like, you know, specific to a client, but in terms of career path, maybe decisions, can you think of a mistake you've made and maybe what impact it had on you? Hmm. It's, it's a good, that's a good question. I mean, career wise, I would say one of the, um, bigger mistakes I would say was, um, joining not joining up with my father sooner interesting um, yeah and you know there was a lot of things that that led to that mm-hmm. and there was reasons for that and you know i think or probably the bigger better one is joining different organization before i went from bank of america to my dad mm-hmm. um, because as much as i got training there there was not a lot of um, the way that I wanted to do business and the way mm-hmm. my father has had run his business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would have been better off going to somewhere else that was more in line with kind of the way uh, that we wanted yeah. to run things versus some of these big Wall Street firms um, and getting a little bit more experience uh, doing that before joining up with my dad, just getting a different perspective from yeah. another firm outside of just a huge, huge national bank. Right. Good answer on that one. I think I know the answer to this one. This one, but what would you say is one of the best decisions you've made throughout your career? Joining joining up with my dad. Yeah, that, that would be my guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's been uh, and it's been great the way that he did it. You know, it's he always told me. He said it's it's not a birthright. You know, I have worked long and hard. I have clients that I've known twenty five, thirty years, and just because you're my son, I love you, but I'm not going to have you just come in here and you know try and do it for six months and not like it and, you know, screw up the trust I've built with these people. And so you have to earn it. And when I left Bank of America to go with my dad, I I didn't have a salary. Um, Mm -hmm. It was all just eat what you kill and grow Mm -hmm. your book of business. And, you know, I'll help you along the way. But, uh, you know, really taught me to that I had to go out and and earn it, which was a great way. You know, I was never just uh, sitting there on salary. Um, It was always, you know, build your book from the ground up that sounds like wisdom to me so having worked with your dad for the last 10 years um was it by the way was it his idea was it your idea it was it was a little bit of both mm-hmm. um you know he always had said you know once i went to bank of america and you know he said if you if you like it and you know one of the biggest things that you have to get over is rejection I mean, you you know well from teaching people in sales that there's a lot of rejection and, you know, you're cold calling, you know, trying to find ways to get in clients. And he said, if you can get through that and you can build a book and you're successful and, you know, we can get you the product knowledge, we can get you the financial planning knowledge, but you just have to know that you have the discipline to stick Mm -hmm. with it and that you can grow it and not get frustrated. And if you do... I would love it for you to come join me. Um, and so that's was my feeling as well. And so once I was able to prove that I, that I could do that and I wanted to, and mm. that's what I wanted my career to be. Um, it was a no brainer to, to go up and join with him. It was just a matter of timing. 
And how cool is it to work with your dad too, right? Yeah, it's very cool. It's uh, mm. it's it's a lot of fun. I've learned a lot from him, uh, for sure. Still do. I think you know he would say he's he learns a lot from me, and it's a great um, it's a great partnership that we have, and it's a lot of fun. Sometimes you end up you know talking business uh, mm-hmm. outside of normal mm-hmm. business hours a little more than you than you want, um, but you know there's uh, it's definitely a small price to uh, to pay. Um, yeah, that's we, great. It's good. It's a good situation. So, talk about uh, the process for that. Buy it was a buyout, right? What was the process like? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting process, and I learned early on that you know I've always just kind of had my head down, saying, "Okay, mm-hmm. I need to put my head down, build my build my book, bring in mm-hmm. new clients. You know, it'll all work itself out." when we need to hire people, we'll hire people and, you know, we'll do X, Y, and Z and we'll just grow it. And talking to, um, a couple other people outside of the financial planning industry that were in family businesses, they, you know, some great advice that they gave me was you got to treat it like a business. Don't just sit back and expect that steps one, two, or three are going to get done because you have a father and son. And you have to have agreements in place and you have to make sure that everything is communicated to mm-hmm. not only between you two, but people that work with you and clients. And um, it was great, valuable advice that we've uh, that we've employed. And so it's it's been a good situation. It's not fully completed, mm-hmm. uh, but we're definitely in the process of a transition, which has been great. Great. Any pitfalls, kind of advice to others who may be considering a, a similar move? Yeah, I mean, and this one may seem obvious, but mm. communication is key. You know, you never, because there's certainly things where you, you're going to come up against each other. There's going to be conflicts and there's going to be things that need to be worked out. There's needs to be negotiations. People mm-hmm. need to give in certain things and you got you have to be able to communicate what what yeah. are your true feelings on the situation? What do you ultimately want to have happen? And it's one of the things that I found worked out for me. My you know, my dad said, you know, and this was long before we started doing any transition talks, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, this the future of the business is gonna be yours. And so yeah. you need to put a plan together and let's sit down and go over it and say, where do you where do you see the business in three years? Where do you see it in five years? In ten years? What do you want? You know, how how many people do you want to have working here? Do you want mm-hmm. to merge with another company? You know, what what is your outline? What do you ultimately want to see yourself yeah. doing? Good advice. Yeah, and then let's okay, and then let, let's back in and I'll give you my plan. And let's, you know, see where we're at today and how what we need to do to to get there, and it's all about having a, an open communication with it. Where if you're just sitting there thinking, you know, oh well, he's seventy, he's gonna he's gonna retire. We don't need to worry about that, and <laughs> you know, it, then then nothing ever happens, and then clients start asking questions about what's going on, and so yeah. it's just being open. That's that's great advice. Hey, we're out of time. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way is either email is mm-hmm. just brad at bestion, WM for wealth management.com. Mm-hmm. And our website is www.bestionwealthmanagement.com. And um, those are probably the two easiest ways to look up information on us and our firm and reach out to me if you want to. 
Perfect. Perfect. Hey, thank you so much for being here, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And I think the listeners do too. Thanks. It was a pleasure, Kevin. appreciate it. You got, you got it. And listen, everybody, thanks for listening. As you know, it's a show about business and business challenges. If you've got concerns about the growth of your company, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or LinkedIn at Winning Business Radio. Our company, Winning Incorporated, we develop sales teams into high achievers and sales leaders into true coaches and mentors. We're not right for everybody, but maybe we should have a conversation. Thank you, as always, to expert engineer Rebel Medler. Tune in again next Monday, October 21st at 4 p.m. Eastern when my guest will be Jerry Sherman, Principal of Pathway Advisors, LLC. Until then, this is Kevin Hallinan. You've been listening to Winning Business Radio with your host, Kevin Hallinan. If you missed any part of this episode, the podcast is available on Talk 4 Podcasting and iHeartRadio. For more information and questions, go to winningbusinessradio.com or check us out on social media. Tune in again next week and every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time to listen live to Winning Business Radio on W4CY Radio, W4CY.com. Until then, let's succeed where others have failed and win in business with Kevin Hallinan and Winning Business Radio.